0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live
1: on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. we got a big show coming up. Much to look forward to. we got got uh, Alex Smith. How about that former quarterback Alex Smith, now an analyst of with ESPN, will join us at two forty five today. I think he was the number one pick in the draft, number one pick of the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. Yeah, yep, that was the Aaron Rodgers year. That's right. Yep, we were out there at Radio City Music Hall, and everybody's buzzing about. Oh, they're, they're trying to trade the pick, and you know they're going to go with Rodgers and they couldn't trade it for what they wanted, and they went with Alex Smith, and it was that was the big story that year. And. Ended up having a heck of a career. I mean, in, in in you know some big wins for him. Obviously, overcame a lot with the leg injury that he had, and he just sees you know you watch that bio on him. It's he went that dude went through a lot, man. That that leg injury was no joke. That was
0: that was scary. Yeah, uh, I mean you you look at. First of all, just a compound fracture is just freaky. You don't, you know, typically see that on the field, and then it gets infected, and then he has this long. I mean, for him to make it back is just, it's pretty amazing what what he was able to do. Well, yeah, his his. And they were showing his leg during the process. His leg
1: didn't look like a leg. It. I don't know what it looked like, but it was. It was bad, man. That was, I've got a lot of respect for what that guy's overcome.
0: Yeah, it was, it was ugly. So, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be good to hear from him. And, uh, yeah, he's doing a, a few broadcast things right now, but, you know, mostly he's a really smart guy as well. Went to Utah, number one pick, like you said. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear from him about, uh, this quarterback matchup, which looks like, uh, you know, something that kind of like the, the thing with Goff and, and him, uh, Brock Purdy. Yeah. You know, on, opposite ends of the of the scale and pretty much the same thing with Mahomes.
1: Yeah, so we'll get into all that with him at 2.45 today. We'll do best of the rest coming up at 3, and then our guy John Morosi joining us at uh, 5 o'clock talking some baseball with him. We're getting that much closer. You and I and Lefco looking at our flights for spring training. Can't wait to get down there. I'm just... The only thing I'd like to be different than last time would be just no rain. Because remember, yeah. it dumped when we were out there. Remember the water was... Running down the pole, and we had the cords plugged in, and Lefko was running over there trying to figure out a way to keep us from getting electrocuted. It was, it rained pretty hard the first couple days we were there. Remember that? Yeah, we needed, yeah. Matt was back here too, and he goes, Hey, you guys aren't sounding very good. I go, Yeah, we're trying to stay on the air and not get (laughs) soaked. It was, it wasn't Matt down there. It wasn't sprinkling, it was dumping while we were there. And then the wind was blowing over our signs and everything. It was, there were some elements, but uh, yeah, it was fun last time. Hopefully, it'll, it'll be a little bit better weather and
0: yeah i think i got hit in the head by that 710 sign yeah that was yeah we had the with the weighted
1: sandbags and those got blown over it was yeah. i don't know what was going
0: on uh but we overcame
1: it we we adapted we overcame dave that's what we did uh so yeah spring training right around the corner we'll talk some baseball with john morosi but uh Lefko sent this the other night this this espn they did a redraft of the most recent draft uh first two rounds and it was interesting to see, you know, based on stats and where what everybody achieved or didn't achieve, how they'd redraft. Um, just to give you a couple of picks for people that haven't seen this, uh, Carolina obviously had the number one pick. They originally went with Bryce Young. In the redraft, they go with C.J. Stroud, and for obvious reasons. Uh, number two pick, the original pick, obviously C.J. Stroud. He's off the board in this redraft. So they go with Anthony Richardson, who I'd forgotten about. He played, what, four, four or five games, and then he was done for the season? Yeah. I can't
0: remember what his injury was, but um Yeah, he looked like I mean he was kind of yeah, the, shoulder. the the flyer of the group because really good athlete and but you know he'd only played in like fifteen college games or fourteen games, yeah. something like that. Kind of like uh Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, same story. Yeah, played four games. So he injured his throwing shoulder. Uh, but we saw his talent during the four games he played. So yeah, he was he was there and gone pretty quickly, but he he goes Number two in the redraft, the Cardinals pick at number three. They keep the same Will Anderson Jr. Uh, That stays the same. Colts had the fourth pick. They went with Richardson. Obviously, he moves up in this redraft. Puka Nakua, how about that? Number four overall, based on his season and wow, top five pick, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and there was you know there was some talk about him. I think in the later rounds for uh, for the Seahawks. And you know there was some some disagreement. I think on you know whether or not he would he would make it in the NFL. But it's just that's that's one of the the really good. And I always every year with when the draft takes place, it's the question for me is always what's more fascinating: a guy like that that doesn't get drafted until the fifth round or whatever, or is a free agent and he makes it, or the top ten or fifteen pick that just totally washes out, and it just. It's just fascinating to me that, you know, that's that's what makes that, being a general manager. And we always joke about how people, you know, when you have, like, a good um, fantasy football team, that, oh, I could I could be a general manager. <laughs> like, the biggest mystery, I think, maybe in, in sports, other than, like, which pitch is coming, and that's why that's so despicable that uh, the Houston Astros knew that that was coming. But yeah. other than that, I think it's, can this guy play at the next level? And I think especially in football it's it's more than any other sport just because you know there's so many different ways you can you can make a play and there's so many different body types and and really what it comes down to a lot of times is just your grit you know yeah. and how how much can you stand how much misery can you stand basically
1: <laughs> how much can you tolerate yeah yeah, it's, it's interesting, and people can go through this. I'm not going to read every pick, but just getting up to the fifth pick where the Seahawks went with Devin Witherspoon. Uh, in the redraft, they go with Devin Witherspoon, Yeah, which tells you that's a success. He was, I'd say, without question, the best player on defense, maybe the best player on your team.
0: He's Who made that more plays?
1: He was, he was outstanding. John and Pete nailed it. They yeah. nailed it. And, and the only other one I was really, really um, – sort of curious about because you know he was a possibility here he was a possibility elsewhere and he got he got passed by a couple of teams with Jalen Carter got picked number nine by the Bears they they still have him at number nine now he went to Philadelphia the Philly Philly traded up in that spot but they still have him going at nine Mm -hmm. so curious to see if that changed at all but yeah so you, you guys can go through that check it all out but good to see Devin Witherspoon in a spot where I think initially we looked at it and said yeah he looks good on tape that wasn't really what they needed, so to speak. I mean, Reek Wollen was coming off a, a tremendous year. You're excited about the potential of, of Trey Brown being healthy and Kobe Bryant, and and you, you still have Mike Jackson there. It didn't feel like the most pressing need no, in, in terms of position, but as you've talked about, others have talked about, their philosophy over there at, at Seahawks headquarters is you take the best player available regardless of need. You're not drafting for need. You're just saying, this is the guy we've got rated the highest that's still on the board. He's available when we're picking. We're taking him.
0: Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure of how far that goes, right? As far as in that, that's the the big mystery, you know, during, during the draft is, are you going to take the best available player, whether it's, you know, somebody you don't need? Or, you know, and I think it seems to me what the Seahawks tend to do is if it's a, a player of need, but it's not on their list, they're going to trade back, yeah. you know, and and think maybe they can get him a little bit later, and you know, and trading back, I mean, I know that a lot of people don't like doing that, but you know, sometimes you you pick up a guy like DK Metcalf. They actually traded up for him, but mm-hmm. but you know, you uh, you look at like Debo Samuel and and some of these other guys and Puka Nakua, a great a great reminder that sometimes you can find a, a a gem in the rough and that's definitely what he was. He wasn't, I don't think he was rated in the top three or four rounds by anybody. And so, yeah, that's, and I think there's that balance with John. I think he ultimately, you know, and if I had to guess based on watching what he's done over the years, like 80%, it's, yeah, we're going to take the best available player, but, I think there are other times where sometimes the coach comes in and goes, hey, what are we going to do at this position? Mm -hmm. You know, and I I don't think that that's what's going to happen this year. And I think if it did get to that, they're probably going to trade back and try to get, you know, players that other because nobody, not everybody is evaluating talent the same. I mean, these guys all have different ways of looking at it and you know, Schneider just seems to have a knack for taking a guy. And that, that's what the number five pick was just so interesting to me because you mentioned all the players that they had. So they definitely were not drafting for need. And then he's an undersized player. And yet he went out and made a bunch of really big hits and big plays and sacking the quarterback. He could play in the box. I mean And it he, turns out they did need him. Yeah. Because Reek did
1: not have a good year. Right. And Trey Brown, I don't I don't know what they think of him. uh, I'll always revert back to what you say. We're not watching practice. We're not out there. So something's not happening there. Something's not connecting there.
0: Well, and the other thing I like to say is players don't just become crappy. Overnight. There's just no way. I mean, how do you go from Reek Willen's year that he had his rookie year to to that? I I just feel like it's, you know, hopefully coaching will help him a little bit. And, you know, playing more man to man defense, being more aggressive, things like that. I felt like he was confused, like a lot of the defense was last year.
1: Uh, one, one more on that list, by the way, on the redraft at 20, obviously the Seahawks went with, with JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, in this redraft, they've got, uh, the 20th pick being uh, your guy from the, from the Rams who came up with what? Nine sacks from the interior. Kobe Turner had a wake forest. They've got him going at number 20. Now looking at that, do you, do you look at that and go knowing what we know now, if I could go back and do this, would you change that pick?
0: I don't know that he would have had that much success with the Seahawks, you know? Yeah,
1: you don't have the threat of Aaron Donald, you know, occupying two, sometimes three guys out there. Exactly.
0: And, you know, they had another guy named Byron Young, who is part of the redraft, who is a really good linebacker that, you know, is part of it. So I I don't know that that would have been, but he is certainly one of those players. I mean, this guy was drafted in the third round. 89th overall, and they have him at number 20. So, But, I mean, if you just look at their numbers and how they performed, um, is he built for the long haul? I don't know. But the nine sacks, 57 tackles, eight tackles for loss, 16 quarterback hits, pretty amazing for a third-rounder. And, you know – For the Rams, I just remember looking at their draft last year, and they had just a ton of picks. They had something like 15 or 16. And of those 16, at one point I counted 15 had made the roster. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, these guys are going to be light, you know, as far as experience goes. And it turned out a couple of their, their uh, you know, late-round draft choices like Byron Young and, and Kobe Turner turned out really good. Yeah, uh, just
1: two other spots where the Seahawks picked. number 37. Overall, they took Derek Hall in the redraft. They've got wide receiver Tank Dell going there, who went in the third round to the Texans, uh, ended his season with an injury. Uh, and then uh, number 52, that's where they took Zach Charbonnet. Uh, in the redraft, they've got linebacker uh, Byron Young that you brought up. Rams took him in the third round originally. So that's that's the spots that have been altered in the redraft but as far as best available versus position of need we look at the seahawks right now and i think you and i both agree the biggest position of need as it sits right now as linebacker because none of those guys are signed i don't know who's coming back you, you you think jordan's coming back maybe he doesn't you never know what happens so right now you don't have bobby free agent jordan free agent um devon bush free agent so who are your linebacker that feels like the most pressing need now Let's play the hypothetical. They're at 16. Maybe the best linebacker in the draft is available for whatever reason at 16. He's sitting right there. But they've got maybe, I don't know, a a safety rated higher than him, a a guard rated higher than him. Just playing out the hypothetical. Do Do they take that safety or guard ahead of a linebacker who may be the best linebacker available?
0: Yeah. apparently (laughs) there's got
1: to be exceptions to the rule right yeah it's not absolute no matter what even if it's a a running back we've got a stable of running backs but the best player our highest rated player at 16 is sitting there and it's a running back even though we desperately need a linebacker we're going to still take that running back
0: i'll tell you what you look at like offensive coordinators and you see on their on their grease board and they've got all these plays and everything i i think this is like times 10 with uh, with their board that they have, they have an entire wall that is, you know, their draft board basically, and nobody can go in that room and and look at it and, you know, see where uh, where they have guys sent, ranked. Except for a Stink, he could go in there. Yeah, he probably could. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Schlereth, who gets treated like a king every time he comes out here, but yeah, and I, I think that there's there's some kind of a formula where I think. I think most of the time, John is very sure about who he's going to pick and and has a plan. And like, OK, if we get to that point and we don't have a linebacker here that we think is worthy of a 16th pick, then we're going to get it another way and have a plan B for that, you know, meaning, you know, trade for somebody or pick somebody up in uh, – You know, in uh, free agency and things like that. So I I feel like there's a a formula, and I don't think it comes down to, okay, this is kind of how I'm feeling right now. I think he has a very mechanical process that, okay, I'm not going to violate this rule. I'm not going to go outside of this. And if it means that, you know, it does violate this rule, then I'm going to trade back. And I'm going to, you know, try to get it somewhere later. Because, you know, look, we, we see all this Byron Young, third rounder, you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a guy that you could bring in and he, he'd start for you. But nobody knew it at that time. And yeah. so it's going to be, I think, you know, for him. Yeah. And I think that's a particularly difficult position because you really don't have any linebackers. I mean, no offense to John Radigan's a good player. No mm-hmm. question. But really, he's like a special team guy. And Ballor. Nick, Nick Ballor is the other guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, pretty desperate situation that you're looking at there and, you know, maybe they re-signed Devin Bush before the draft, um, and you know, it makes it a little bit less pressing, but I think the, the big thing is going to be, I, 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 kind of speculated that maybe Mike McDonald is going to want to bring either Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith you know with him and I think'd be okay with that yeah so whether it's a trade or free agency whatever yeah bringing those guys with I think that's pretty important position you know and I don't know if Patrick <laughs> Queen you know if he called the the huddle or anything like I think it was both him and Roquan Smith but that's kind of your leader at middle linebacker and you know that's that's a guy that you're replacing a legend well Bobby we, Wagner.
1: Speaking of legends, Dave, we had Lofa Tatupu on the other day. And uh he, he just talked about this defense desperately needing to get better if they're gonna look anything like the Ravens did.
0: We need some pieces, you know, in the trenches. We we have to have some depth there and even some bigger body types. You saw I think one of their smallest guys over in Baltimore was Matabike, who had like a career year with eleven or twelve sacks from the D tackle position. You know, so that guy's in for a big payday. And he I mean, in the run game, in the pass game, he was just a monster, and so um, you know, just getting some more body types like that. That was the lightest guy I think they had at like three oh five. Now you know when you start thinking about that, you, you start to go. They're in a pretty good position quarterback wise because Gino's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, so as far as like how much you take up of your salary cap and and things like that, and then how you move in the draft, it makes it it makes them much more flexible for Schneider yeah. having a, a guy that's priced at what Gino's priced at.
1: Yeah, because otherwise, if you're sitting there with no answer whatsoever, like, we got nobody, yeah, then you, you're you you're sort of in a desperate position where maybe you're forced to trade up, and maybe you reach for a guy who's maybe not quite as good. Maybe it's, I don't know, J.J. McCarthy or any any of these guys. Every year we talk about a list of five quarterbacks, and they're all can't miss, and then some miss. It's just yeah. how it goes. So yeah, I like that they're not in a position where they're going to have to reach. where they, Hey, you got the luxury of a very, in NFL dollars, a very team friendly contract when it comes to Geno Smith. Quarterback, yeah. A guy that you trust. Yeah, he needs the right, you know, situation around him for him to truly find his peak. He's not Mahomes who can create the way Mahomes can when a play falls apart. He's not that he's not that caliber, but he's a guy if you give him the time and 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 uh the protection, he's gonna find the open man. He's yeah. he's not he's the least of your problems right now.
0: The other guy, too, I would mention is, is this the third year of uh, D.K. Metcalf's contract, or is this the second? I I thought they got a total steal uh, of a deal with, with him when they signed him, because it was a three-year deal worth, I think, $76 million. And, you know, for him... I just think he is a playmaker. He's a guy that they, they really need to utilize a lot more than they did last year. I've been complaining about that a lot this offseason about how many times I'm like, just uncork it, man. Let's go. Get him throw him a 50-50 ball. There was lots of times where he didn't have help over the top and you know, a few times they they recognized it and threw it, but I'm like I, I think they thought that was a little bit too much of a chance. So yeah, receivers are pretty pretty expensive and you've got a, a pretty good deal there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of flexibility to, and, and look, I'm saying this, I'm not managing the cap. And every year, you know, you talk about the cap and people are like, oh yeah, they've got space. It's like, no, there's all kinds of other things, including the owner wanting to, Spend money up to that cap, right? right? And then there's lots of things like um, incentives and you know future uh, trades and things like that where you want to keep some some flexibility there. Yeah, but to me, I mean, I'm just looking at on on the offense, and your two big stars are are really probably Gino and DK. No offense to Tyler Lockett, but you know, uh, fairly reasonable, um, you know, team-friendly contracts with those two guys. Hey, a reminder, the 89th
1: Sports Star of the Year awards are coming up February 15th, and K.J. Wright is this year's host. Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. You can find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's take two. Albert Breer reported earlier today that the Browns are hiring former Seahawks offensive line coach Andy Dickerson to the same position in Cleveland. And the Mariners have uh, claimed a guy named Kanan Smith and Jigba off waivers from the Pirates. You might be able to guess the relation. He's the old, older brother of Jackson Smith and Jigba.
0: I remember talking about that during the season. So, yeah. Know, oh yeah, he's got a brother that plays for the Pirates. He ended up playing in what, 20, handful of games? games something no, like I, that. I
1: think less than that. Yeah. Yeah, he's He's 24, so he's the older brother, as he said. I think he's three years older. So, yeah, we'll see what he's see what he can do. But yeah, very little very little exposure with the Pirates, and obviously they felt like, yeah, we we can move on to other things. So maybe the Mariners can turn him into something. But pretty cool that his brother, they're both in Seattle.
0: Yeah, oh, and it's also interesting to me, just Andy Dickerson being the offensive line coach for Cleveland. He didn't have. It was our guy uh, that played center for them, uh, Ethan Posick? Yeah, I don't think he coached him. Maybe, maybe he did in Cleveland. But anyway, it's just kind of like what we talked about: one man's trash is another's treasure. And again, sorry for the trash comment, he, but that's Posick just Posick is trash. It's is an expression we're, <laughs> uh, that we're we're using there. But yeah, yeah he's I mean, passed he, off, he's trash. He everybody loved Andy Dickerson, and you know, all the offensive linemen thought he was a really good coach. Well, we had heard the Giants block the Seahawks from talking to Mike Kafka about their offense coordinator job. And today, the Giants announced that
1: they're promoting Kafka to assistant head coach to go along with that OC role. It's we, because of his dynamic personality. That's clearly what it is. And, and we talked about this much like college coaches that start... You know and they're in the position to be courted by these other programs all of a sudden you're hearing about this brand new extension they received from their school mm. making a ton more money and with you know we've seen it in a couple of cases with these coaching candidates that didn't get other jobs are now making more money well and then you retitled know retitled in this case
0: yeah exactly and throwing the assistant head coach that's just that helps you know, that helps guys the, the next time around that he's the assistant head coach. And I don't know if they check on like how many details of the head coaching job are you assisting with? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, what are you, is that just a, a title to get you a job the next year or two? Or because Pete was always really good at, about that, that he, w- he wanted to promote his guys. He wanted his guys actually, I don't think he wanted them to leave. But I think he he was, he was took a lot of pride in promoting other coaches, mm-hmm. which uh, which I thought that was a very cool thing about Pete. All
1: right, Take Two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, we have another name in the mix for the Seahawks offensive coordinator job, and it would have quite an impact on this offense. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle
0: Sports App.
1: Coming up in about 15 minutes, Alex Smith will join us. He of ESPN these days, former NFL quarterback. Looking forward to that conversation. But some news out there, Dave, as it pertains to the Seahawks coordinator search. I uh, was seeing the, the news, uh, Bob Condota tweeting out that the Seahawks are interviewing UCLA coach Chip Kelly for the offensive coordinator job. What do you think about that? That's interesting. Or, um, or is uh, El Hombre calls him, maximum leader. Why? Because when he was in Philly, ran the show. Ran, yeah. ran, everything like you know. Oh, hail to the maximum leader. Is that right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a compliment, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He's he seems to be polar a polarizing figure. Some people think he's an offensive genius and he's a perfect guy for this offense or any offense. But as a head coach, maybe he's not the right guy. I don't know. But where are you at with Chip Kelly?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about him that I, I just I look at him and I go I, for some reason I. I don't think I like that guy. <laughs> I don't think I like his face. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's interesting. I was just looking up some of his numbers, and the last time he was an offensive coordinator uh, was 2016 with San Francisco, and they were number 31 in yards and number 32 in the pass, and then they were number four uh, running the ball. So that's that's kind of interesting. And then you know, and I went and looked at you know when he was an offensive coordinator in Philly. It's some good numbers I mean in 2014 they are number five in yards number six in the pass game number nine in the run game which is actually you know fairly low for him because you know like I said he was number four with the the 49ers and then number one in 2013 as far as running the ball mm. so yeah I mean he's got some he's put up some good numbers as an offensive coordinator he's making like six million 5.6 million dollars as the head coach at UCLA I mean, I, I don't know if he's looking to get back in the NFL or not. It seems like a pretty sweet job, though UCLA and you know I I not feel a like- lot of expectation
1: out there. It seems mm-hmm. like you can kind of just do your thing. Everybody's like, "Cool, dude." Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Everybody says, "Dude." Yeah. By the way, it. he he doesn't seem to be popular amongst the people that responded to Bob Condota's tweet or some of the texters. We just got a all caps hard pass on Chip, uh, and then I'm looking at some of the responses to Condota's tweet. No way. He succeeded with a clever stunt at Oregon. Defense has caught up with it. He's been middling or poor ever since. Followed by no, no, no. Followed by you guys keep spelling Ryan Grub wrong. Followed by please no.
0: <laughs> uh, Wait, we're spelling it? I don't think we've spelled it out on the air.
1: We've said Ryan Grubb, but nobody No, that's that's uh that's on Twitter to Bob. Oh, oh responding to Chip Kelly. I He's see. like, "No, no, Chip Kelly, no you're spelling Ryan Grub wrong." Um <laughs> so it seems to be a, kind of a consensus of just looking at the remarks to his initial tweet. They they uh not a lot of excitement yeah. around that one.
0: Stop me if you read this one, Bob. It worries me that they they're even interviewing him. Did you read that one already? No. I don't know why that is. Um and I'm I kind of feel the same way I think and I think we'll talk a little bit about Lefko's guy uh, later his favorite head coach for the Tennessee Titans but um, he kind of came off as he kind of comes off as the smartest guy in the room like he, he comes in and you know it's maximum like, leader <laughs> this is what we're doing and but yeah no I mean look if he can make the offense go and communicate you know what if what if uh, you talk to Gino and he's like oh I love Chip Kelly I'm like okay all in. Yeah. All in, but yeah, it's just interesting looking at some of his numbers, and you know, and I think Harbaugh went, and he's the one who just hired uh, Greg Roman, and I I don't know if he's crossed paths with him, but Greg Roman has an amazing running game he he really does he he was in baltimore and he's just wherever he's gone they've been able to run the ball he was at stanford and they just always seem to overwhelm people at the the point of attack and have more blockers than there are defenders he has ways of squeezing it in and you know and i think that's the fact that you know philadelphia was the number one run game in 2013 i was a long time ago but the fact that he concentrates on the run game i think would be would be really a, a good thing. That's something that you know that's that's been missing from the formula up here, <laughs> to go along with good defense.
1: Do you think? Do you look at him as a gimmick guy? There was I read that one. Oh, he got away with that cool trick at Oregon, and ever since then, people have figured him out. I think when he got to Philly, didn't they go like super up tempo? Wasn't that their thing? Like they were they ran an inordinate number of plays mm. compared to every other team in the league. Yeah, I, I, think I, I seem right. to remember that. I, something along those lines, but. I don't know if he's a gimmick guy. To be honest, I paid zero attention to what he's done at UCLA. He's not been a story there. Um, I don't know what his offense is like versus other offenses in the Pac-12 or how he's fared, but I I don't blame John for speaking to anybody. The more the merrier. Like we talked about with the head coaching job, that to me is, hey, man, you don't don't know what you're going to find. You might look at a guy and go, eh, he's probably not a fit, but let's talk to him, and then all of a sudden you get out of that meeting and go, he blew me away. I did not expect that. I mean, you, you you have to kick the tires on anybody that you feel is credible, and anybody you feel can make this team better, you better talk to him. Yeah, it may not be a fit, maybe not, but top, why not? It, it costs him nothing. It it doesn't do anything right. in a in a negative way, unless you're holding up hiring this guy that you really like because you got to have this Chip Kelly conversation. All right, then maybe, but I don't. That doesn't seem to be the case right now.
0: Well, and I think in a lot of ways this is tougher for for Schneider. I think than. Than it is getting the head coach. I mean, he seemed to really know what he wanted and who he wanted, and he mm-hmm. got the guy that that he had on his list. And now, you know, this is this is pretty important: hiring these assistants and finding guys that will will fit in. You know, with uh, like we kind of determined Harbaugh probably not a good fit just because you know Schneider is wants to kind of, you know, have a little bit more control and I guess it just seems to me like Chip Kelly coming from a head coaching job that he's probably going to want more, you know, but maybe that's what Mike McDonald Mike McDonald wants. He's yeah. like I need somebody to just take care of the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, I mean there's been a few things where people have and you know, you got the the texts here from people just remembering that, uh, yeah, he just seems like a guy that thinks he knows everything and it's going to be his way or the highway.
1: Next time we have El Hombre, we'll have to ask him about him, why, yeah. why he calls him maximum leader and right. all that. But, uh, and people are reminding us that Grubb said he's the new OC at Alabama. I know that. I was reading the comment from people responding to Bob condota's tweet where they said, you're spelling Ryan Grubb wrong. That was there. But, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob also tweeted out a little bit ago that uh, Grubb, who was under consideration by the Seahawks for the offensive coordinator position, uh, publicly said today he's the new O.C. at Alabama. So that feels like that's put that one to bed.
0: To me, I I just the one and I always think of Greg Roman. Greg Roman, it's another guy that. He's kind of a jerk. He was the guy mm. that uh, yelled out, Merry bleeping Christmas. Oh, yeah, in the press box. Yeah. Yeah, and I was there for that. Our guy Danny O'Neill went after him and was like, hey, who, who, who said, said that? that? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to know who said that.
1: That the, the funny thing about that, it was really loud in the entire press box. Turn around, everybody's right? doing what Danny. Who was that? Yeah. Who was that? Because they, they yelled it.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And that's when he
1: was coaching for, uh, for Harbaugh.
0: Yeah. But I've always admired – so anybody that they bring in as an offensive coordinator, I just – I hope it features the run because he was just he was just awesome with that. I mean, I know when he was in Baltimore, you had Lamar Jackson, who was like a running back, and so basically you're playing against 11 guys in the run game mm-hmm. instead of 10 where the quarterback hands it off and he's a dead player. And so they, they did have that, but it did the same thing at Stanford with motion and, you know, lining up big guys in the backfield – And having a fullback, who I think was a slash defensive tackle. And that's what you saw. You just saw that, like, they would bring guys in motion and just attack like a certain, you know, the B and the C gap. And you've got, like, four or five guys there. And then, you know, um, they're they're able to just open up holes and the run game to me is is i think needs to be an emphasis whoever they hire all right coming up he was
1: a quarterback for both of these teams who are in the super bowl this season where we're looking forward to getting this unique insight on this matchup espn's alex smith will join us next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 wyman and bob
0: power through the alaska airline studio on seattle sports
1: and the seattle sports app to catch up with alex smith of espn here momentarily it's wyman and bob seattle sports on 710 you guys can text in throughout the show 866-979-3776 powered by mac and jack's brewing company coming up at three o'clock we will go through the best of the rest if you're new to the program that's where we take a listen to some of the other conversations happening on the shows at the station bump and stacy brock and the little furry guy in the morning we'll uh Listen to some of the things they talked about, so uh, and respond to that. But yeah, intre- I wonder if Alex Smith has a rooting interest, and more importantly, what he tell us. Uh, we're gonna ask him. Yeah, I would yeah. think he's rooting for the Chiefs, don't you? I don't know. Andy's well, was- there. He didn't play under Shanahan. He's got no
0: connection to Shanahan. I th- yeah, I think he played under Mike Nolan. Is that who it was point? when they drafted him? I think, and uh, Mike Nolan was my linebacker coach. At uh, at Stanford, like his very first job. Mm. So and then he's been in the NFL. Obviously his dad, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. Do you have more connections? Because you know, for me, like I still have a lot of connections with with Denver. But my daughter is really the only one in the family that roots for Denver. Just because oh, she's, she's a
1: Broncos fan, she's a rebel. She's a, so yeah. does she root against the Seahawks or she just roots no. for the Broncos?
0: No, I think she just roots for the Broncos.
1: What about your son? He's a Seahawks guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So did she change her her allegiance when Russell went there? Was she excited or she's like, oh, well, now
0: she was excited about it. But I think she she was kind of bummed and thought it was the wrong move. If you want Hmm. my daughter's expert opinion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can we get her on the phone? Let's let's interview her. Break
0: break down her, her fandom. Yeah, I, I'm curious what her and Matt Nelson think. That's that's where I would Just go. Just a couple of warriors of the gridiron.
1: <laughs> yeah. Who do you think? Who who do you think pays closer attention to football, Matt Nelson or your daughter?
0: Uh, Kendall. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I'm
1: probably around it more, but actually paying attention to the game. Yeah, she wins it. You're definitely around it more than oh, yeah. probably most people. I'm around it a shocking amount. It's early. your job to be around it. It, it, it <laughs> kind of <laughs> it, begrudgingly he's around it, but uh, yeah, this is it, you know it's funny is 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 the week wears on and we're getting closer to the game. Again, we had our office pool where we we picked, and the, you and I both picked the 49ers to win. We dominated it pretty much.
0: Yeah, second and third tied. We were tied for second. Yeah, um, but. Your name was first, though, for some I, reason. I don't know why. I think alphabetical. Uh, I looked at the rest of the list, and it wasn't alphabetical. So <laughs> I think it's funny that you
1: would even notice something like that. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I, I you uh, know I, I had more confidence in the 49ers before. I'm starting to feel like the Chiefs are going to win. They, I want the Chiefs to win because I certainly don't want the Niners to win. that We didn't pick with our hearts in that one. We, we were going with logic. But the 49ers didn't look awesome. And the defense, I just don't. And they were just showing some highlights uh, of those blown plays that you were talking about, play four, play twenty seven, yeah. that we talked about yesterday, and and yeah, just I don't know what's happened to their defense the last two games. How do you, how in games that especially a game that sends you to the Super Bowl or ends your season, how is effort a problem? Yeah, that's weird to me.
0: It's a good point. It's it's very odd. That they would, you know, you'd think they'd be fired up and hey, we're going all the way and we're gonna, you know, run as hard as we can. And so, you know, I think that I yesterday talked about enroll the tape. What would be an X factor because the 49ers have been giving up lots of yards on the ground. They were, I think, two or three as far as uh, their rank against the run. Yeah, you said what ninety yards a game during the yeah during the regular season they were number two. 90 yards a number 3 okay technically 90 yards per game and they've given up 136 yards to green bay 182 to detroit so i i think that's a that's a total of like almost 320 yards that they've given up they were giving up 90 and now it's like 150 some so it's that that part of it is interesting the other thing is i think the the x factor that i said it was going to be isaiah pacheco yeah. because uh, he's such a hard runner and you know he's he's a violent runner violent yes he's he's an angry runner and i love that about him so th- that's one factor but the other one that might might be the biggest factor is is Spagnolo the defensive coordinator he he really is a very and you think about him and Andy Reid you don't look at Andy Reid as being this offensive genius right and Spagnolo doesn't get a whole lot of credit for the defense that that he runs but when they won it a couple of years ago, you know, or they were in the, uh, yeah, when they beat the 49ers a few years ago, I just remember looking at some of the stuff he did, and it was very basic, but his guys were executing it really well. And it's kind of brings to mind Mike McDonald that, and I think his stuff is probably a little bit more complicated. The way he puts it, Mike McDonald, is we have these elements of our defense that you can master. So you get that down, and then you layer it, like you get make it, gradually a little bit more complicated, and then you take that into the season and you sort of adjust based on what you're facing offensively. Spagnolo, you know, he, that's, he did very simple things, like some of the ways that, you know, when they have man-to-man and they have a bunch and they have guys layered at different levels and the way that they passed things off, it was like, it was perfect. It just, everybody executed exactly what they were were supposed to do. And the other thing that stood out at that time was that they didn't have huge stars on their defense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and... Really, I mean, you, you look at their defensive back group is really good. They did a great job against the Ravens. And, um, you know, he might be the the factor that uh, people aren't considering. He just doesn't seem, you know, him and Andy Reid together kind of like, eh, you don't really know, you know, who the coaches are, but Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes and D'Amico Ryans and all these, you know, hotshot guys. These guys are kind of understated, but it's very old school. And I think, you know, he might find a way to, to shut down that that offense of the 49ers and confused Brock Purdy a little bit. Yeah, it's amazing the defense of the Chiefs
1: has become such a story because that's a team that you know, with Mahomes it's built on offense and his his sorcery back there, you know, how he just makes something out of nothing. He's throwing with his left hand. He's throwing as he's falling yeah. to the ground. He's just he's just been a wizard back there and and everything the storylines are all built around him and Kelsey and that offense and Andy's this offensive mind and and it's the defense that's been dominant this year their offense struggled for the majority of the year especially yeah. by their standards uh but you know they, they've they certainly picked it up in the postseason for the most part they did get shut out in that second half against the uh baltimore ravens they put up 17 in the first shut out in the second so i don't know i don't, has your are you wavering at all in your belief that the 49ers would win is it has it yeah. changed as the days have gone on the way it has for me
0: especially the you know what they did in in baltimore i mean that connection is, is there a better connection than Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, right now, not in the league, but I'm just thinking of like all time. That kind of the the two throws that certainly he made, not in the
1: postseason, right? Didn't Kelsey just set the record for he passed Jerry Rice for all time postseason receptions?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and you you saw the the back shoulder throw that he scored on Kyle Hamilton uh, with Baltimore. That was that was unbelievable, and then the other scramble where he ends up just chucking it up, and Kelsey dives for yeah. it, and I mean the combination of those two plays, I feel like it's unbeatable. Like you can have perfect technique and all that, but and I th- I think Kelsey, one of the things about him that makes him so good is he puts defenders in a position where if you're gonna knock the pass down, you're gonna go through me, yeah, and you're gonna get a pass interference call. So. He, I feel like that's just – it's all about – and, you know, to, to answer the, the big question about what is it with tight ends, it's always been baffling to me that, like, you're a big guy, you can out-body guys, but not that much, and you're not that fast, and, you know, bigger guys aren't supposed to have, you know, these great hands and everything. But I think more than anything, it's about positioning your body. Kittle does a really good job with that as well, where it's like – if you want to knock this pass down, you're going to have to, you're going to foul me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, that that connection right there, I think, is probably the biggest X factor. But I do think Spagnolo and, you know, the way that um, Pacheco runs um, just in the run game in general, I think is, it'll be, I'll be very curious to see what kind of defensive scheme they come out with. Is it real simple to stop this, this offense from the 49ers? Because we've seen it. You know, we've seen teams make them look bad.
1: Yeah, it's. I can't wait for the game, but it's just interesting. On my, as the days have gone on, I'm like, I don't feel so confident about that forty nine er pick, and that's one I want to be wrong on. I want the Chiefs to win. I am openly rooting for the Chiefs. There should be no gray area there, but. I'm starting to feel like yeah, I think they're going to win. Now, maybe I'll be wrong, but we'll we'll see what goes on. I'll be
0: rooting for the 49ers, Bob. Yeah, well, that's your because team. Cuz then I'll win the uh the pool. And I'm just going to make sure Kyle knows that you want Kansas City to win even though you picked San <laughs> that's Francisco. That's right. You that's can't a, win the pool. It's going to discount you. You already lost well, the pool. Well, I know that yeah. Mora, yeah. the expert. <laughs> Sorry to bring you down from that. Yeah. Didn't yeah. want any false hope. It's uh, just between me and Bob. Why 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 is uh, I'm that, the winner
1: of us. Any any word from the winner of us? What <laughs> Alex Smith, did he uh, check in? He has not checked in yet. Okay. He's waiting until uh, we're in a break, probably. And then say, all right, I got five minutes. Let's go right now. Uh, All right, well, Alex Smith is still uh, MIA. We're going to try to track him down and see if we can uh, find another spot in the show for him. But meanwhile, uh, there were some good Seahawks and Mariners insight happening around our station. We'll get into the best of the rest. That's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.